Hi, and welcome to another episode of Humans Aren't Robots, brought to you by Digital Noir. I'm your host, Sam Davies, and we have another conversation coming to you from South Start late last year here in South Australia. I sat down with three of the panellists from the Time Is Now panel, a part of the Social Impact channel at South Start. I'm not going to go into too much detail about each of the speakers um, as we sort of jump into that in the conversation, but I sat down with Adam McCurdy from Humanitics, Mark Redding from the Pledge 1% Foundation and also Atlassian, and Sarah Gunn from GoGo Events. Three very passionate individuals that are doing great things in the world of social impact and change through business. And this is something that I'm really interested in personally and over the last couple of years have been trying to work out my own path with Digital Noir, how we can create more social impact, even though we're a services-based business, primarily for profit. Um, How can we bake into our DNA as a business some more social impact and helping give back to not only society, but you know the planet as well. So it was very interesting for me to, to talk to these three very intelligent individuals about how they have done that in their own lives and businesses. And as we'll hear in an upcoming episode, um, we actually found some pathways through the Pledge 1% Foundation, how we may be able to do that here at Digital Noir. But without further ado, I'm going to take you back to South Start last year. In South Australia, city in the tent. I don't know if you've seen the photos, but we were set up in these cool tents in the convention center. It was a very relaxing vibe, good vibes all around. So let's jump straight in with Adam, Mark, and Sarah. Oh, thanks so much, uh, Adam, uh, Mark, and Sarah, for coming on the podcast. Welcome to South Start. Thank you. My pleasure. You had a good time at South Start so far? Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, this is the cause, though. Not, you like the, the TV? <laughs> I might get you to just jump up a little bit closer to the microphone if that's all right. Sorry, it's not sure. the most uh, ergonomic of uh, setups in the tent here. <laughs> My knees are going to be uh, pretty sore tomorrow, I think, but uh, I might need to do some yoga. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, um, so Craig, you know, really wants to create, I suppose, a, an ambience of conversation, right? So you come to these conferences, you sit, you listen to someone like yourself speak, and then you leave. But some areas like this where you can actually spark real human conversations and actually get people talking on a, on a deeper level as opposed to just that sort of passive passive listening. So hopefully they've done an okay job of achieving that this year. Certainly feels like it. Nice. And Mark, I've seen you sort of um, out here having some conversations for the last few days. Indeed. You've been enjoying that? Yep, yep. Talking about Pledge 1%. Nice. And we'll, and we'll jump into that. So um, the, the name of the, the talk that you were doing there was Social Impact, The Time Is Now. Uh, it's, it's a really interesting topic for me personally. So I, I run a business, uh, Digital Noir, it's an agency. Um, two years ago, we did the Telstra Business Awards, um, and, and going through that process of applying for the, the award, you sort of go through and look at all facets of your business, right? And I found that the social impact segment of that quite difficult for me to, to answer, really, because, I mean, outside of what I think I try and do well for my team immediately in, 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 within the business, and, you know, small things that we may do throughout the year, there, there, there wasn't much else that I saw that I was doing there. So I sort of have been grappling with this question, how does a business that is a for-profit business um, and you know, doesn't really have any super altruistic kind of uh, values built into it outside of helping people build great digital products, how does some, a business like me actually create social impact? 
Yeah, yeah. so that, that's, that's the segue. <laughs> Adam's pointing to the Pledge 1% T-shirt. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, do you, do you want to chat a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, I'd love to hear about it. So, so, so the basic concept um, behind Pledge 1% is it encourages business owners like yourself mm. to think about how you can use four different elements of your business for good. So the first is um, equity in your business. Okay. Um, that's particularly appropriate, I guess, for businesses that have got the potential to grow in significant scale and, and where that equity might ultimately be um, realised in some sort of transaction or so. Mm. Um, if for any business where that's an ambition, then, then equity is definitely relevant. Um, the second uh, pillar is is profit. You know, are you willing to put aside 1% of your profit and, and dedicate its use for some sort of social good, uh, social or environmental good? Uh, third one is your time, your people's time. You know, everybody's got um, employees um, and everybody's got um, 52 weeks a year. Um, those employees have got talents. Um, do you want to spend some time um, volunteering, doing things that are good for the community? And then the last pillar is uh, product. Um, you know, what is your product? How might that product be used for the benefit of society? Do you want to do some work on a discounted or a pro bono basis mm. for a, a community organisation? Um, you know, if it's software-based product, can you can you license it uh, to, to organisations that are driving social change, either free of charge or at a deep discount? Um, can you do you have surplus capacity? that potentially can be used uh, for, for the good of society. You know, there's lots of different ways of thinking about uh, about product. So it doesn't distract you from the core business, but it just gets you thinking about, okay, well, those four elements of our business, which of those four um, could I potentially be able to use to contribute to making the world a better place? And so I'm interested, um, well, one, I'm, I'm very interested in, in general, but I'm interested to, to get jump into that. Um, how do you, what's the process? Obviously, some of them are easy, others, the 1% of profit is, is fairly straightforward, but especially around, I think, um, uh, time. So um, how, how do you go about facilitating that? And, and I suppose uh, measuring the, the... Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, um, time is volunteering capacity. And so, um, you know, we encourage... Um, organizations, founders that have decided to, to pledge to use 1% of these people's time to start to think about um, a volunteering policy. You know, how much capacity are you willing to make available uh, to your people on a paid basis? Is it a day a year? Is it two days a year? Is it a week a year? Or is it more than that? You know, um, um, Do you want to focus it on a single cause area? Um, that everybody in the organisation gets behind and says, yeah, that's that's where we're going to focus because mm. that'll have greatest impact. Or are you are you wanting to empower your team members to, to use it, you know, however they um, think is best in their personal circumstances? Um, how are you going to, to track it? You know, there are there are sort of just logistical exercises. So you're just going to rely and trust people to to uh, organise their time. Um, in a way that doesn't um, disrupt their, their work responsibilities mm. um, and sort of just keep a, 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 a personal track of, of how much time they're spending or do you have to and do you want to formally institutionalise it into the, you know, your, your, your uh, HR systems and the like. Sure. Um, generally speaking, in my experience, the more that a founder finds somebody in the organisation uh, who is really passionate about bringing it to life, um, the more that it does come to life. So, you know, Discuss it with your team, see who it is that it resonates most strongly with, yeah. and then empower them to start to think about and, and consult with you know, fellow team members about, well, you know, this is great that our, our founder, our business owner has um, enabled us to do this. Let's now work out a plan 
to, as to how we're going to bring it to life and then you know take that back to the founder and say this is how we think we should do it and I think the more that there's collective buy-in in the early stages um, you know the more traction you get and, and the better it is uh, in an ideal world you'll be able to track the impact of, uh, of what you're doing mm. um, but for most for most businesses that's actually yeah, a really big challenge and I think it's more about choosing an organization that you believe is having real impact and doing whatever it is that they sure. they are asking you to do you know don't try and impose your beliefs and your values around what's important on them you know listen with an open open mind uh, to what it is they're saying is of greatest value to them and then do your very best to respond yeah and hopefully you can just see that impact. yeah exactly <laughs> well actually I mean, you say hopefully you can see it. I think in the reality, the reality often though is when you do try and just see it, you you get it wrong. Okay. Um, it's actually allowing the people who are on the ground, the, the organisation that you're wanting to support, to actually be the ones who have a voice. Yeah. Okay. And feel it, I suppose, as yeah. well. You're doing it right now. You're dedicating a portion of your podcast to interviewing a social enterprise, a charity, and sure. one of the key advocates of the Pledge One Percent movement. Mm. Um, that you doing that itself your own business right now is doing the thing that mark is talking about helping to spread the message as well right right and so every b different business has a different skill set or a different tool yeah can, okay yeah that, sure that can help achieve that and you just have to reflect on what that is and you might be surprised at how many tools you have up your sleeve to help a charity that resonates with you or to help a movement or to help something uh, achieve a greater social impact um, through something that doesn't seem on the surface to be able to, to do so yeah, and so one of the ways that we did find, so we do work with quite a few uh, not-for-profits. Um, one is uh, Menzies um, School of Research, but we found that there was people within Indigenous communities that um, that we were doing app development work for, but actually knowledge share, talking to them about the process of, and, and just g g gaining some insight into you know what a, what a software development process, what a design process looks like is, and that you know we had a few people sit in in a meeting and they were like, wow, that was such a great workshop. We got so much from that. So you're right. There's probably a lot of things within business that you wouldn't actually necessarily see as you know, giving back, but they, they really are. So yeah. That's right. When you start to think broadly about what is your product, you mm. know, humans aren't robots is a part of your product suite. Um, you know, your, your, your digital creative skills uh, yeah. are another part of that suite of, of products. Mm. Um, once you start to think consciously about you know what are our products and how might they be used to, to you know make a, a difference to society at large, um, you'll very quickly start to identify lots of things you could do. Some of which you're already doing. Nice, and, and you're right. It, it is starting that conversation, which which Pledge One Percent is um, is doing. Um, I'm interested. So the, the three of you are involved with um, you know socially impactful businesses. Um, Adam, as Humanitics um, is a, a really interesting play on and I think a really powerful one so um, I'm interested in how you sort of because you come from a maths background right or engineering background yeah that's right um, how you find yourself uh, all of a sudden <laughs> running a, you know, a billing <laughs> website uh, yeah it's I, I was always fascinated by engineering building technology um, and all those kinds of things but what I found myself often doing in my in my previous career was building technologies and solving business problems that uh, I didn't really care that much about, to be mm. completely honest. Um, and just thought long and hard and teamed up with the best mate of mine, Josh Ross, to, to find out, well, wh how could we apply our skills to create an organization that can achieve massive amounts of impact? For us, it was we wanted to do it in the education space to close the education gap for disadvantaged youth around the world. And 
work out how we could apply the skills that we've learned. He came from a finance background, okay. but I came from an engineering and maths background. And that was a really nice combo to create a, a, the humanities that you see today. Yeah. And it was from that perspective that we searched for an industry that we thought was particularly ripe for disruption with a social enterprise or a social impact model. Mm. And ticketing is a multi-billion dollar industry that charges booking fees to everyone on tickets mm. and everyone bloody well hates booking <laughs> sure. fees. And the cost of those booking fees has not come down over the years despite technology costs coming down and the, and the technology getting better in its, in its ability to distribute. And so we thought, well, what if we could create our own ticketing platform that event organizers could use instead of the Eventbrites of the world our fees be lower than Eventbrite, so you're saving money. Work damn hard on our technology so the technology is as good or better, which we're now proud to say is, and then donate all of the profits from our fees to fund education projects for disadvantaged youth, and then give the organizer the credit for that impact that's mm. resulted from their, the tickets being sold through Humanitics to their event, and give the organizer the ability to then tell their community the impact that their event made, so that you'd not just have a solution that's making the world a better place, but you're also providing a solution for an organizer that's far more commercially compelling. Uh, and that's where we've gone to with Humanitics. Uh, and that, that has been so much more fulfilling to us to be a applying both the, the kind of the hard skills that we learned through university in the start of our career, to then be able to, to, to transform and leverage those skills into something like Humanitics that's producing so much good now as we've scaled. And there must be so many um industries and businesses that, that, that could be disrupted in this way, where, where there are sort of profit centers that are, you know, sitting there. I mean, booking for, I mean, it's, it's a really clever one to sort of, to, to land upon, but um, yeah. where where that profit could be distributed to, to go to better places and also spread a, a, you know, a great message in the, in the, yeah. it's actually baked into it, isn't it? Right. But the key um, to us that we've learned is doing it in a way that makes your product genuinely the better choice yeah. from a commercial lens because if you don't achieve that you're relying on the consumer or the client if you're in a, in a b2b uh, landscape mm. to use you just because you're most socially impactful sure. and many will because there are lots of good people out there which is phenomenal but by and large if you just rely on that it won't scale because most people will say oh, sorry look i'm trying to run a business here I can't be fooling around with some cute charity idea. You know, I run a multi-million dollar event for us in the ticketing space, for example. Mm. I can't be fooling around with average technology and, you know, uh, that's very cute that you do that and you'll stay in that cute category. Um, and I think that's, that's key to anybody that's looking to launch a social enterprise or in our case, we're a charity with no shareholders but, um, and you're, you're trying to embed social impact. Don't lean on the social impact crutch too hard Use that as part of why you're doing what you're doing, but don't expect people to just use you just because you're the you're the more socially impactful choice. Sure, I might throw that across to you, Sarah, because mm. I think that um, if you want to just tell us briefly about GoGo events, but um, yeah, how important is providing an incredible service first, and then um, I think that, that applies very much to, to what you do. It does, and it, it really resonates what you're um, saying there, Adam. So first of all, uh, GoGo events is a uh, an event design and management. Company and we deliver services uh, across the all spectrum of business, government, not-for-profit, um, and community-based events. And um, the difference is that uh, we have a commitment to ensuring that every event we're involved in 
with leaves a positive social legacy. Um, so a really tangible and obvious um, and powerful impact. Um, and the way we chose to do that was by uh, uh, making all our employees are people who are at risk of um, or currently experiencing homelessness. And when I say make them, um, it's. Uh, uh, we went out to homeless service providers. We literally knocked on doors and said, would anyone here like a job? And provided they had a shoe that covered their toe, that was enough for us. Um, when, when we pushed up to our clients, because when we started this, it was a, it was a personal um, uh, awakening after having an, a normal for-profit business for 12 years and going, I don't like this anymore. I feel empty. I feel that uh, my work is not having any positive impact on the planet and I was no longer satisfied with that. So I had to make this decision that that's the way I was going to do it. Um, and fortunately, I was able to leverage some really strong relationships with existing clients and they said, they, be they believed in me and that was enough to give us the opportunity to take that kind of what now is at the time it was just obvious, now it's really a giant leap because I, I can look back and see how complex that was and yet for me it was such a simple decision. Mm. This is how I'm going to operate business, this is what we're going to leave behind. Um, and then, like you were saying Adam, it's about then saying to our clients, um, you are having a positive legacy because you're using us. Now six and seven years ago, I know it doesn't seem that long ago, but our social impact was not on anyone's radar. People were sorting their rubbish, you know, they were sorting their paper from, there. but really the world hadn't progressed. So we've seen this rapid shift in, um, in consciousness around the, uh, the footprint that businesses are leaving. And I was saying to my clients back then, you know, these are runs on the board. These are social runs on the board. And they were kind of going, yeah, look, it feels nice. You know, and then when we, I thought, well, I'd better start keeping some data around this. I actually did the online assessment for the B Corp, um, uh, um, our application there, and that was graded out of 200, and GoGo -Go Events got 12 out of 200. And the reason we got 12 is because I kept no data. Yeah. And I thought, right, I better keep some, some data. And then I could give that data back to my, you know, big corporate clients and say, this one day will be valuable. This one day will mean value to you or your shareholders or your businesses, um, uh, you know, your staff. And uh, and down the track, we've been able to prove that that is valuable. And this is, I think, it's, well, we all think, don't we, that this is the future of the way we can operate our business differently. And so I, I wanted to touch on two of the things that you, that you mentioned then, um, you know, the changing climate and consciousness around um, you know, purpose um, and, and social impact as, I suppose, as, as just humans living in the world we live in today. Um, how much change have you seen in the last sort of five to ten years? Do you, and is there a shift, do you think? Um, I'm happy to respond. Um, there's definitely been a shift. Um, it's definitely becoming more mainstream. But I still think we're, we're really only just dipping our toe in the water. Mm. Um, there is so much more change that is still necessary. Um, you know, I'm not seeing massive change coming from large businesses, large corporates, you know, listed public companies and the like. Yes, they've got corporate responsibility departments and things like that. But mm. and yes, the concept of shareholder value, shared value, sorry, uh, was initiated by um, um, by Michael Porter, um, and concepts like that have have 
sort of gained increasing traction. But can I say that they've fundamentally changed the way business is conducted? Um, no, I can't. Um, so, you know, mm. yes, it's good that there's been momentum. Uh, there's far greater awareness. There's, there's, there's desire. Um, but we're still really at a very early point in the journey, I think. Mm, and, and there's that sense, I suppose, of, like you mentioned about, you know, recycling. So, that, you know, that's something we can do in a, at a household level. But it is sort of big corporate that kind of can, can, can impact and, and make, you know, massive change. We're talking about less so um, social impact, but, but purpose and how and values you know so within a business often it, sadly it's a case of a business trying to reverse engineer that because they think it's you know what's happening now right you need you, you need to have a purpose you need to have um, as opposed to starting from a place of that or finding it and then you know baking it into your business um, I think there is a shift um, I have actually like in the last week seen it uh, the words um, from big a large opportunity we have with a national client uh, introducing me to their uh, CSS um, lead within the company, but it's the first time I've seen a reference to social procurement in a from mm. a large company. So um, there is the push up, but there's also this policy has a big role to play. So developing a you know a commitment more than a consciousness, but a commitment from government and also from CEOs of large organisations to include social procurement um, within their supply chain. It's a really important and powerful choice. I think the um, the very successful uh, campaign about the Indigenous inclusion from a federal government policy, a 3% um, inclusion of uh, Indigenous peace people in uh, large government contracts has really had a huge impact. And there's... Um, Level Crossing, which is a Victorian-based social enterprise, were engaged by uh, the Victorian government in road building and moving crossing, road crossings um, and train crossings. And they've hit a... Their, their target was 3%. They've just hit 15% in the first wow. year and... The first 18 months of being involved. So there is a... The shift... That ecosystem that we talked about earlier on the panel is really important that if everyone's pushing from their own perspective with the collective um, mind map uh, in in mind to that if we're each filling our bit we can shift society forward business government um, and and individual humans that are making conscious decisions about where they spend their money what do you see as some of the um, ways we can sort of boost that so do you rapidly increase the, the consciousness getting brands to see that it's in their interest mm. um, it, it's it, on so many fronts it's better for your brand and it's better for your business um, s- employee motivation staff motivation is one yep um, which is just the engine room of most or, or all organizations and businesses if you do it right and do it well where it is your you're considering what service or product you're offering. You're joining the one, Pledge 1% movement. You're doing more than pledging 1%. You're, you're doing your bit, and you're allowing your staff to feel that. It is unparalleled, the kind of engagement and motivation that you get. Mm. Um, at, we, we see it at, at, at Humanitix every day. You have the most fascinating connections that would seem so unlikely. So. We have, half of our team is all software developers because we're, we're, we're a tech platform. And you've got these 
um, these guys solving very complex problems, building some very, very sophisticated software. And let's say one of them will launch a new seeding maps tool that allows us to go after more sophisticated venues that have more complex seeding map requirements. Great. That's a very complex piece of software to build. That then gets shipped. And then we then go off and talk to all the more sophisticated venues that we know we can now get on the platform as a result of that new feature being launched. Mm. They start ticketing on Humanitics. We, they start producing booking fees. We start redistributing um, them to education projects. And then six months down the track, I can look at that developer and tell them, hey, you know that seeding maps module and tool that you launched six months ago? So that helped us get these six events. They've currently sold this many millions of dollars in tickets that's translated into this much money that's gone into girls' education programs in low-income countries, indigenous scholarships, and this many meals for our meals program that we support for disadvantaged Aussie kids. And that's coming from an engineer building seating map technology. <laughs> it's like the motivation is off the charts. And it's like, oh, I can, I can build really sophisticated technology that, that does all the competitive, fun, exciting things of you know, trying to grow your market share and business. But I get to know that that's translated to this outcome, and now we'll continue to produce more and more. Um, that, that, you can't put an employee motivation program together that does a better job I'm than that. Sure. Uh, and I think that's what brands are going to start to pick up on, that you, you do a good job of that internally, and, and the fire that you light inside your staff is just un, unrivaled. But it does need to come from a place of authenticity. Yeah. Um, if you're genuinely, authentically trying to, to use the resources of your business to, to have a, a really positive social or environmental impact mm. um, and it is 100% authentic, then the byproduct is that people feel proud or engaged and, and want to be part of your organization. Um, if you're doing it to polish your brand yeah. or to try and get engagement, um, the bullshit detectors that we all have sure. kick in very quickly. And I would say you perverse, perversely potentially have the opposite impact. Yes. So, so it absolutely needs to be driven by the right intent. And if it is, then from a business perspective as well, it actually um, delivers enormous value. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to know in terms of so that actual impact that you're having um, in education, how... Um, like, is there, is there, do you get the developers, your software team actually get out and see that with their own eyes? Like, do you actually, you know, take people out and, and how much sort of, how abstracted, I suppose, is the, the reality of the good you're doing from the day-to-day -day work that's happening, you know, in the studio? Yeah, we're slowly doing a, a, a better and better job of, of showing our staff exactly what's happening on the ground. Mm. So uh, our meals program is done with OzHarvest. So cool. just the other week we were in the OzHarvest kitchens having a fantastic day with Ronnie Khan, cooking meals, learning all the stuff that she's uh, collected in knowledge around food waste, etc., and understanding more of what they do. Um, we, the girls' education program that we support is run through a fantastic charity that we've partnered up with called Room to Read. Okay. Um, oh, yes, I have heard of that, yeah. And, and they run um, some fantastic uh, trips uh, to go and see many of the schools that are, that are set up and the education programs that, are, that, have, that have been set up there. Um, and they've invited us to be a part of that, which is fantastic. And Yallery, with our uh, uh, Indigenous Scholarships Fund, uh, we've been working closely with their chairman, uh, Bruce Davidson, who's uh, introducing us to the students that are receiving the benefit. And it's quite amazing where you get to meet the student who's 
scholarship. You just fund it through ticketing technology. It's, <laughs> it's very powerful. It's very powerful. Um, but we're just at the starting point of it because, to be quite honest, we've, uh, you know, over the last four years, we've just had our heads down trying to build tech and get events on board. And it's only now that we're starting more and more to be able to do those exciting things like you know being able to go and visit our charity partners and and do those types of more meaningful things um, which is really really exciting and nice one of the things that inspired us about adam and josh when we first um, when i first sort of met you guys was just what they had managed to achieve with a really basic rudimentary ticketing platform mm. and um, they they really managed to, to achieve some some wonderful things in terms of you know customers saying yeah we're happy to use you and and we could see immediately that that they were coming from a, a place of absolute authenticity i mean sure. i don't know how much you know about the backstory but you know they both well no, uh, no it was was it adam or was it you or josh who gave up your job it was it was so you I, who gave up your job and and josh basically contributed half of his salary wow. to, to fund adam until such time as they got to the point where um josh could also give up his job and, and join adam and you know there was enough revenue coming in the business to actually enable them to feed themselves after moving back into their parents' home and things like that. You did that so, for 16 months. Yeah. It was a long 16 oh, months. Wow. So, so we, we, we saw the, sac the personal sacrifice they were willing to make and we also saw the progress and the, and the way in which they were inspiring and engaging people. And so we were then thinking, hey, you know, this, this, this ticketing platform, you know, can be so much better and they themselves were saying it can be so much better and, and obviously with the skills within Atlassian you know, our Atlassians and the fact that everybody's been given a week a year to, to contribute through volunteering yes. gave us the confidence that by sort of partnering up with Humanitics and backing them, you know, we could not only help to address some of their funding needs, but we could also use our expertise to, to really to help them get well. to places. But it was the it was the authenticity, it was what had been achieved on the smell of an oily rag. Um, you know, the guys just inspire confidence. And I think in terms of sort of thinking about use cases, so, so you're a charitable organisation, yeah, so um, not-for-profit, um, but um, and, and you are for-profit, but then you're giving back um, through, you know, the people that you're employing. Um, but there's, I, I'm just thinking on the fly, there's so many places where you could, you know, still be a for-profit business that, you know, that is, but then is giving back to the community or the environment or whatever it might be, but then also enriching your, your team's lives as well. Absolutely. So we've noticed that, you know, historically, maybe a software developer or, a, say, a QA tester doesn't actually really get to spend time with the, the end product that they built, like, on the ground. So mm -hmm. not even if thinking about social impact, but just, you know, we've made something for someone, bringing them into that and actually letting them see what they've just built and how it's impacting the end user is really impactful for them. Add that extra layer of actually it doing good, and I think you're really... And it seems to be, in terms of that generational shift, more and more people are interested in in that part of, you know, they don't just want to come to work and get a paycheck. They, they actually want to be standing for something slightly larger for that and, and trying to contribute to, especially around the environment, you know, the, what's happening with our planet. So there's, there's so many use cases for it. It's sort of endless. Indeed, one of the things that, that we did um, last year uh, through the, the foundation <coughs> was we ran a project internally called the 500 Project. Okay. And essentially that was um, creating an opportunity for 500 Atlassians um, to have a customer interview with one of the non-profit users of our of our software. Oh, so nice. basically our software is made available free of charge to any non-profit. You know, there's 60 or 70,000 licenses 
free licenses by community organisations, we said let's get 500 Atlassians who are involved in the building of this software to actually have uh, a conversation uh, with one of our non-profit customers um, to do two things. One, to get an, an insight and an understanding as to how our software is helping them make the world a better place. Mm. Um, and two, and get some feedback from the customer. What's the, what's the experience like using our software? And, and obviously that's a good thing as well from a software engineer's perspective to, yeah. he, to hear the voice of the customer. And there, you know, there was some amazing inspiration and some satisfaction for, for people who, who have been you know, building um, Jira, Confluence, whatever it might be, to actually learn about how the SES is using it or, or how Medicine Sans Frontiers is using it or how Mercy Ships is using it or, or how Kiva is using it. Um, you know, that was really inspiring and so those stories were then shared internally. Um, that's the sort of thing that you can do when people aren't directly involved in impact but the work they're doing is, is enabling impact. Mm. I think that um, one of the most powerful um, things that I've seen recently uh, is we've been able to shift some of our homeless, uh, I'm sorry, some of the people that were homeless when we first met them into our business. And we are, they now are, uh, we are using, they are the experts obviously on homelessness because they have a lived experience. And they are now co-designing for us um, the next stage of our program run out, which is where we'll move people from homelessness through a short, very concise, very um, client-centered approach uh, to build skills, capacity and well-being, and straight into a job. So we're mm. activating all our network to create the job because the job is the innovation at the end. Sure. So you do all sorts of programs, but, but to, to realize and to recognize, and even where I've been doing this for a long time now, it dawned upon me not so long ago that the expertise in the room isn't mine or, or my staff, it's actually the, our staff that have been through this experience. They are the holders of the knowledge. So we've brought them in as a, they are the, the key players in developing our program as we go forward. Um, and that, that gives me, um, it, that's everything. That's everything for, for me and our team is to say, this is real change. And then sit in addition to what, that same feeling that your staff are getting from these experiences are the same experiences that our staff um, get by just going to work, seeing that there are good people around the planet that um, are all doing good, whether they're doing that as a billionaire or whether they're doing that as a homeless person. They've all got something to share and give. And if you have a level playing field and everyone's got the same vision, then it, that's very equalising and you can have human not robotic kind of conversation yeah and there's a trickle down um impact from it so so we we've been through the the b corp application in the past as well and and got a similarly bad score initially <laughs> i mean it, it, it i think it's to the credit of of the um of the organization the community that it is quite difficult to to go through the process and it really it i think you know so our banking institution was one of the you know the, the caveats for us which is just it's a pain to have to change, but that, that's the process, right? It, you, you actually have to make some sacrifices and you have to go through some hardship to actually... And so having that conversation with the team, I think, actually opens up their mind to like, well, what do I do in my personal life? And it, it starts conversations that sort of go further than just within the business. Yeah. And I personally believe that whilst we've seen some change, um, the greatest change is ultimately going to be consumer-led. 
you know, who, who are consumers? It's us. It's us as individuals. That's it's right. us as humans. And and the more that uh, that we learn of ways in which we can exercise our our rights as people um, in our consumer choices or anything else, the more options that open up to us. The fact that you know there is a platform called Humanitics that didn't exist five years ago. Uh, the fact that there are many other social enterprises. The more we learn about the different ways in which we can you know use our our power as individuals, um, the more... Vote with your dollar. Sorry? Vote with your dollar. Vote with your dollar, That's absolutely. Right, yeah. um, the more that, that that will in fact drive change. Um, yes, it's great that there is a, a movement around impact investment and, and ethical investing and, and you know, um, you know, the opportunity to, to, in, to invest for superannuation funds and the like to invest um, in, a, in a limited range of investments where they're not doing harm and ideally are doing good. That's, that's a force for good, but I actually think the greater force for good is us as humans, um, one, learning about the options that are available to us, mm. and then two, taking individual sort of incremental steps um, that when they're added up, actually become quite huge. huge yeah. and it starts from grassroots. Yeah. Well, I'll ask each of you, what are you, what are you excited about in the future? What, what, what do you look forward to and, and, see, and see with hope? Um, I'm happy to go. Uh, for, for me, it is the combination of inspired thinking and technology. Um, you know, there are more and more people who are thinking about how can I make a difference in the world, um, more so than ever before in my experience. Um, and um, because of all of the technological advances that we've experienced and those that are yet to come, there are more and more opportunities for people to smart, start small but actually do things at massive scale. I mean, uh, Humanitics is a, is a practical example of that. Because of the cloud, uh, because of technological advances, Adam and Josh initially out of their family homes, their garage, have the potential and, and I believe will create you know, a, a ticketing platform that is a global business that is mobilizing in future hundreds of millions of dollars for educating disadvantaged youth around the world. That's a combination of inspired people, in this case, relatively young people, but you don't have to be young, um, and technology. Beautiful. Sarah? Hmm. I think it's, for me, it's about community. I, I, uh, I think that we are on the cusp of, and I know this is very idealistic and optimistic, but I think the convergence of um, cultures um, and, you know, Australia being the example, we have had such um, uh, tension around immigration and around, um, you know, um, making space for Indigenous communities to thrive. I can't help but feel that that energy and time and the difficulties is going to emerge um, perhaps with technology but but particularly around just building going back to our roots which is about the humanity within us which cannot help but be inclusive and inviting and and making people feel safe and comfortable um, uh, you know and often it comes out of hardship but I think we can live in a society that values everyone equally, um, including in those you know we work with who are um, you know impoverished. But I do, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's another hundred years away. But I'd like to think it's like in the next. I, I, I hope year. not. I hope not. Yeah, I hope not too. Um, I, I do think that you know, in some, in some cases, technology being able to see the world as one, as opposed to continents and cities, we're able to 
see how everything fits in and where there's a flow and, and, and everyone's capability, doesn't matter where they live and we're being brought together. You know, I think we see the world as one united place and I hope that uh, in the future that, you know, we can really start to live that every day. Me too. Um, for me, what makes me positive about the future is, is that we're, we're already going in the right direction and we've been doing so for decades now. Um, if not longer, the world is, I'm a strong believer that the world's by and large as good as it's ever been. And there's lots of problems for us to solve and there's lots of issues sure. that still exist in the world. But by and large, we're, as, we're in as good a spot as we've ever been and we're going in a better and better direction every year, by and large. Um, that's, and, and the transformation that we've seen in just the last century is, I mean, my, my grandparents fled the Holocaust and then I, I'm chatting to them about humanitics in, a, in an amazing country like Australia and then they've seen Europe transform back to, to being a better place. And then everything that's happening around the world is, uh, you look at youth mortality rates, you look at you know, the fundamental value of life has increased dramatically. A few hundred years ago, life is cheap. Mm. And we've just gotten better and better at valuing life, treating each other with dignity, squashing racism, squashing biases that are that are obviously disruptive and destructive to our to our way of life and our society. Uh, that's the direction we're going in. Uh, so, to me, it's just a matter of keeping on going in the direction we're going, trying to work out ways to speed it up. That'd be nice. Um, but it's positive. I also think spreading the message about that positivity. So I, I agree with you 100%. And I think that, and I agree with you too, but the, I mean, and if we think about technology and how we can leverage that um, with inspired thinking, we, the, the, there's these small channels where we hear the negative a lot, but we don't hear enough about the positive. So I think South, this whole event is a good opportunity to, for local people, you know, in the entrepreneurs startup space to actually hear some of the positive things that are happening and realize, hey, I could do that. Or, you know, this, this is this is possible now. Things that you know, weren't possible 15, 20 years ago are now possible. This is going to be really annoying. So we, <laughs> we might make this a finish. Thanks so much, everybody, for uh, for the chat. It was, <laughs> I think um, Pledge 1% is on the future for Digital Noir. So looking forward to it. Uh, getting on board. Thanks very much, Sam. No worries. Thank you, Cheers. Sam. Cheers. Thanks, Sam. Hi, it's Sam here again. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much to Southstar for having us down to the event. And thank you to Adam, Mark and Sarah for sitting down and sharing their stories with me. So cool. I really love the way that um, both Adam and Sarah have gone about creating businesses that one can uh, you know, sustain them and their passions, but also really give back to the wider community. So epic work and everything that uh, Mark is doing at the Pledge 1% Foundation and at Atlassian um, is incredible. More to come on that. If you'd like to find out, find out anything more, you can head to our website at digitalnoir.com.au um, and head to the gossip section where you can find this podcast episode. And as always, if you enjoyed the episode, please do share it with your friends and colleagues. I'd love to get the message out from uh, these three incredible humans. So, until next week, signing out. Cheers.